This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share and collaborate. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and uh, or good afternoon, depends on where you are. Uh, today we have a really um, interesting topic that we're going to get into, and it's emergency management for our K through twelve schools. So you know, emergency management is is always a challenge, but when you start adding children into it, it even gets more of a challenge. And so I'm excited to have um, our guest come on, and I'll introduce him in a second. Um, and, you know, it's kind of crazy. I was looking at some statistics uh, when I was preparing for this uh, conversation. And 55 million kids, I guess, well, pre-COVID, right, are going to schools every day. That's 55 million children that our K-12 schools are taking care of. And uh, um, Chief Scott Collins, he is responsible for his district. And I am brought him on today because everything I know about him so far has been great. And he happens to have a lot of great information regarding keeping kids and K through 12 school safe. So chief Collins, welcome to the show. Hey, Todd, thank you. And uh, it's great and an honor to be here and uh, hello to your fans out there in the EM world weekly world. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, I was talking to you off camera um, about sports, right? And, you know, this weekend is a big game coming up. Uh, for the Buffalo Bills that are going to be able to uh, move on to the Super Bowl for the first time uh, in in many years, and hopefully this time they can they'll they'll win. And so Kelly McKinney, who happens to be a Chiefs fan, uh, and I were talking, and we Kelly, if you guys remember Kelly McKinney, he's the author of the Moment of Truth. He's been on the show, big big friend of the show. He's out there listening right now. I know he is. And anyway, we were talking, and we have a bet going on. So. If the Buffalo Bills happen not to win on Sunday, I have to wear a Kansas City Chiefs hat uh, during my broadcast here on Ian Weekly and talk about how great Kansas City is. If the Buffalo Bills, and let me rephrase that, when the Buffalo Bills win, and I did that earlier, I made that mistake. When the Buffalo Bills win, though, Kelly McKinney is going to come on the show wearing the Buffalo Bills hat, talking about how great the Buffalo Bills are and, and how awesome of a sports podographer, a sports Procrastinators, what's it got there? Uh, uh, odds maker, I am. <laughs> so, anyway, that's that's it. And I just want to make the announcement today, Kelly. I know you're listening, so get ready to buy that Buffalo Bills cap. So, Chief, that's not what we can watch you down here. We didn't talk, bring you on here to talk about sports, although we could, but because you know, being from Texas and all, I'm sure you like football. Yes, sir. Dallas Cowboys all the way. That's unfortunate. I was liking you till just about that point, but that's okay. Well, we'll let those, uh, you know, discretions go by right now. Um, so chief, um, man, K through 12, you know, is always a challenge for everything, you know, especially budgets and all this kind of stuff and, you know, kids getting in there and, 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 and the things that happen along with that, but emergency management and, and safety in schools is always a challenge. How did you get involved with, with that? Like what made that become your career path? So I, I actually uh, was a school resource officer in the Magnolia, Texas area in 2007 and uh, became a specialist in school safety and worked my way up to being the chief of police here in Aubrey ISD 
in Aubrey, Texas, which is on the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and I uh, became the chief here in 2014. I knew a lot about school safety, but I did not know anything about emergency management. I'll be honest with you, emergency management was going to be my my retirement career when I couldn't wear the badge anymore and, and needed a job to retire. That was my long goal to uh, be emergency management, but I just thought I'd be doing it when I was retired and things like that. What I learned as the chief is emergency management is a lot of the things that we're doing every day, but we just didn't realize as police officers, firefighters, and EMS that we were doing it. And it's really taught me a lot. And now I'm working on uh, being my professional CEM through the IAEM. And I'm also working on my Texas Emergency Manager's basic certification through the uh, Texas EMAP program. And, uh, you know, we do emergency management every day. We just don't realize sometimes what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that is the challenge for, for us in emergency management is to, uh, to let those that are in the lights of sirens understand that, uh, you know, the roles uh, do cross, uh, but there is some, from some differences for sure on, on that. So how has the K through 12 world changed? Um, you know, it's especially on the safety side since COVID has uh, come along. You know, we have a more, the district and the educators have a more appreciation for emergency managers and what we're doing. It's actually really interesting because with K through 12, you know, the emergency management was just kind of in the background. You know, we would be planning events and planning for spectators and, and large events, but nobody really knew what emergency managers did until COVID-19 hit. And now we're working with contact tracing. We're working with socially distancing. How do we plan football games, large events, to have a safe experience, you know, just different things that people didn't want to. Our district is fortunate enough through the state of Texas, we have the uh, antigen COVID testing kits for our students and staff, and we're doing about 25 uh, tests a day for students and staff here that need it, that, uh, you know, whether they test positive or negative, but we're here to help, you know, and it, it's just different parts of the emergency management that we never thought we would be doing. I, I never thought I'd be doing a COVID testing in a school district. You know, it wasn't something I exactly planned for. Right. <laughs> yeah. No kidding, right? You ever think about um, having to do, excuse me, having to do those tests all the time and, and, and trying to get people back into, into the, the fabric. You know, one thing I find interesting about schools and, and I think it's something that we, we take for granted. Right. And I, this 2020 and, moving into 2021 um, has really shown me how schools not only are, are there to teach our children, but it really becomes part of the fabric of the community. And what I mean by that is, you know, school events, like things that you would think that, okay, you know, it's separate from your life, but it really does impact how your community takes a look at itself and the pride that the community has that the schools do. And, and I think, um, um, you know, the kids not being in school has also created some additional issues uh, for them. Are, how how is your school dealing with the the mental and the emotional aspects of children not being in the classroom? Actually, uh, Todd, we're the opposite. Uh, here in Aubrey, Texas, we have about ninety five percent, maybe a little bit more, of our students back in the classroom five days a week. We've offered three different options for the first part of the school year, and uh, as the school year has progressed. More students have come back, and uh, right now we're about 95% back in the school, minus, you know, occasional COVID case where we have to quarantine some students or things of that nature, or students have uh, medical needs where it's not a safer environment where the, the remote environment's there. When we look at student mental health, 
you have to be able to have that resources. And we have a great mental health team. We have a district-based threat assessment team here. But we're actually going out to make contacts with our students and our families. Some of the best things that we did last March through June was the effect of we were helping with the food drives and getting food to our needy families that need it. And it was a one way to get a pulse on those kids of what's going on, how they're handling emotionally, how they are dealing with the stress. You know, right now, when the COVID-19 vaccine, I'm sorry, when the COVID-19 pandemic hit back in March, we were seeing a lot of people lose their jobs and it was really causing some stress. So it was a way for us as police officers to get out in the community, do some welfare checks, and start connecting our community to different resources they need. So as as police officers emerge management, having those connections with the kids it makes a huge vital difference to what we're doing. How do the K through twelve emergency managers really um, get themselves involved with the school district? I mean, I know that there's, you know, I mean, I think about schools in general, right? And some of the school districts that we have here in California are pretty large, um, as far as the number of high schools and elementary schools, and 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 uh, some are, are unified districts where they have element, you know, they have K through twelve. Some of them are just high schools, but there's like all these different, you know, political um, components to it as well. Does the emergency manager, I mean, are they reporting to the to the board? Are they reporting to the principal? Like what what position, where do they live, I suppose, in the K through twelve in your experience? So K through twelve is usually housed under safety and security or under the police department, under the chief of police, which reports to the superintendent and the, the school board. Um, what's neat about having a emergency manager in a K through twelve is they have the outside connections to the different cities, fire departments, EMS, public utilities that you need, but they focus solely on what's going on in the school. So like, let's say if there was a bus accident, you know, what resources we need, we're not shaking hands at the scene of figuring out who's going to be in charge. We already have those plans already made and, and work out with our additional partners and our community partners and, and to bring those resources that we need. Same thing with like football games. If you take a basic football game, and you're planning that as an emergency manager, it takes one less stress off the superintendent who's actually in charge of the district, and it, it makes it easier. So having your own independent school district police department that works solely for the school district, it, it's a specialized occupation, specialized job. But on the other hand, it takes so many pressures off the administration and off the educators because they're focused on the education of our students. Now, talk about football. And, and, and I know I don't I don't know how it is in your district necessarily, but um, I, had, I had a friend of mine who uh, went to went to school in Texas, and we're talking about the games and and the crowds that come to those football games. You're talking about thousands of people going to a high school football game. These aren't uh, small events by any means. How has COVID impacted your planning for for those events? So when we look at COVID planning for large events of football games, proms. It's about attendance and cutting our attendance in half, enforcing the mask orders, uh, socially distancing, you know, contact tracing. It, it's it's a whole nother plan. It, it's not just like what we used to be where we set up the same incident action plan we used for the past several years and everything's flowing. And it's actually ticket list uh, tickets. It's planning on how many tickets we have, how many admin people we need. It's It's a lot of work all planned into one. It even affected our food operations of our, what we can serve in the concession stands and things of that nature. And that was a planning process that took a lot of time to deal with, but having your own emergency management and having your own police department 
we're able to take those considerations and look at the 30,000 foot view and then start drilling down into what we need to do and, and how we plan. You know, it's also the way we changed our entrance into the stadium. It's also when we changed our exits in the stadium. You know, we used to be able to have families who would take pictures and things like that. And unfortunately, due to COVID, we had to, you know, pretty much as soon as the game's over, everybody's leaving and going to your cars. And it's a different game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, now, do you guys have cardboard cutouts too, like the pros? <laughs> no, uh, we, we actually had uh, a lot of sellout games. Um, all of our games this year were sellouts. Um, in Texas, we're just finishing up high school football for the state playoffs, where they're in places like uh, Dallas Cowboys Stadium and Arlington Globe Life Park. Um, and even those crowds, they're socially distanced, but they were selling out pretty good. So it's another thing of working through those events. Um, I think our biggest event that we did this year that I'm most proud of was graduation. You know, graduation for the June of 2020 graduations was a nightmare for uh, these kids, but we wanted to make it as special as what we could. We partnered with uh, Texas Motor Speedway here in Fort Worth, Texas, and we actually were able to have a socially distanced graduation for our kids where the kids actually received their diplomas on the finish line of the Motor Speedway. So it's as they walked across the finish line, it was a really, a, a truly pleasurable moment where parents got to see it. It looked a lot different than normal graduation, but it meant so much for those kids and having the honor to plan that with our folks from Motor Speedway and, and the different districts, it was a really neat opportunity to do. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the hard part right now, with especially here, like in, for us in California um, of the kids being able to have some sort of normalcy when it comes to graduation and the proms and, and things like this, which aren't happening. And uh, you know, it's a, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's a kind of a bummer for some of these kids. Right. I mean, this is, this is, for some of them, this is the end of their, their education career, you know, uh, for others that are going to college, it's a whole other going to be another experience, but still, but, uh, Hey chief, quick question for you. So, um, as, as we start going into, uh, uh, you know, planning for things, I, I use, um, I use my, <laughs> I use my van quest bag, uh, for, for everything that I do. This is my, this is my everyday carry first aid kit that I keep, um, in, in my bag, uh, for me. So it's, it's a little, I have all my first aid stuff in here. It's a really nice bag, everything you could possibly uh, use it for. And uh, by the way, if you want to get a VanQuest bag, if you go to VanQuest.com, you can also get a 10% discount by using EM5Weekly in the checkout code. That's VanQuest.com for your quality VanQuest gear. The Outer Limit Supply Company was founded on the idea of providing high-quality first aid kits. Their goal is to supply the life-saving equipment you'll need to mitigate the majority of injuries often seen during austere times. From minor injury on an outdoor adventure with your family to your team responding to a major traumatic event, Outer Limit Supply has the kits to manage most situations, providing practical, user-friendly first aid kits that anyone can use. Enter EM Weekly, all capitals, at checkout and save 20% off your total purchase. Go to www.outerlimitsupply.com today. That's outerlimitsupply.com. Thank you for listening to those uh, sponsors, and uh, please check them out and let them know that you that we sent them to you because without them, we could not bring you the quality programming that we're bringing you in. 
especially having a guy like Chief on. And Texas talked about some really important information with the K-12 emergency management. And that being said, Chief, you know, I mean, COVID has impacted a lot of, of aspects of things and made it like kind of rethink what classrooms look like and so forth on the education side of it. Um, uh, and, and when it comes to, to, to planning, um, what has the COVID-19 and, and this pandemic, well, we call it pandemic flu, but pandemic planning in general, um, how has that impacted your day-to-day uh, as public safety? You know, it, it impacts us a lot because we're, we're at more events than what we were before, making sure that the kids feel safe, parents feel safe, you know, making sure that we have a safe environment for our kids. But it also looks different in just how we plan for events. You know, whoever thought when we left for spring break in March, we would never come back for the remainder of the school year. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were rolling these things out, not knowing early, you know, only having the early information about the pandemic, you know, is rolling out socially distance things. It was rolling out how to pick up things, how to get events picked up and trying to calm the fears. And now we're working with our local health officials, you know, to get ready to have vaccinations and things like that. We're also working on those contact tracing things. We have a student that tests positive. Who are they sitting around? Making sure our kids are having their mask and, and face shields and things like that, desk shields. It just, school is different this year. And, and it's a lot of stress for our teachers our teachers are so committed and dedicated to the educational field. They're doing anything and everything they can do for these kids, whether it be if they're a remote student or face-to-face, or even if they have to go short-term remote because they're quarantined, our teachers are going above and beyond. And, man, our, our teachers are caring to make sure these kids get the education they need. So it's, it's about planning. It's about our, our steps that we've taken as a district to make sure that they have every tool they need. What's your interaction been like with the parents? Parents have been super supportive. You know, parents sometimes will have a lot of questions of what we're doing about different things, how we're looking at school safety differently, but it's having the connection with our community. We're in a small district here. We have 46 square miles. We cover five different cities. Uh, we have about 2,700 kids, but it's having that small town connection with our parents. And that's one of the things that as a police chief, I strive is to know our parents, have that connection, and when they need something, they they can reach out to me at any time. My phone's on 24-7 to make sure our parents are taken care of and they feel comfortable. Now, I, I know we talk a lot about COVID right now, and, and which because it's you know, timely, right? But I do still want to kind of tip, you know talk about the typical, or I want to say typical, that sounds terrible, but the, the things that we normally worry about, right, when it comes to K-12. Um, what, what have you guys done um, in the – era of the, you know, run, high fight, the active shooter, you know, um, how are you working with the, with the children um, with that and making them understand that it's not, I don't say it's not scary, but to, to make it less fearful when you guys are planning for that type of stuff. So the state of Texas and the Texas School Safety Center adopted the I Love You Guys Foundation, uh, which has a standard set of evacuation, lockout, lockdown, things of that nature. And it's all about education. We make videos, and that way we can educate our kids. At the beginning part of the year, the teachers can go into the library. They pull up their educational videos from the I Love You Guys Foundation. And then we also do the same thing with our parents. We offer craze, which is civilian response to active shooter events. That way parents are knowing what's going to happen. We have a great emergency operations plan that talks about with our parents, hey, if this emergency happens, you're going to go over here and wait. We'll reunify your kid and your, and your student with you as soon as we can. 
but we need you to listen and that way we can get our emergency responders in there. And lastly, it's having the connections with our local partners. You know, we partner with the city and the different agencies, our county, our fire department, our EMS, our local uh, county EM. We're all working together. It's having those crucial conversations and those crucial tabletops that everybody knows what we're doing through our planning software and and having those resources available. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, and I love the part of the, that you get together with your community partners as well and, and, and make them part of that planning process because I think that's sometimes where 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 schools fail, if you will, um, is that they, they they don't reach out to their community partners. They make these plans, these these grand assumptions um, that things are going to work the way they're going to work uh, without testing or drilling them. And then um, they wonder why, you know, well, well, you know, the city school bus is supposed to, sh- the, the city busing is supposed to show up and they didn't show up and, and uh, stuff like that. So no, that's, that's great. And then along that lines, I mean, obviously, you know, active shooters is one, one concern, but I mean, you guys live in an area that's, that has a very active uh, weather uh, uh, patterns, you know, hurricanes and tornadoes and whatnot. Um, what, what's your plan to, I mean, if you have a, a weather event during the school day, you know, how, how do you plan to reunify um, children with their uh, parents? Todd, you know, last week we had an amazing thing, this white stuff that was frozen that came out of the sky. I've never seen it before. I thought it was like a COVID apocalypse, but someone told me it was called snow. Uh, we haven't seen snow in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex in a while, but it definitely throws a wrench into some things. But to answer your question, we work through the standard reunification process through the I Love You Guys Foundation, and we work with our parents to get that going as we connect students and parents together. It's all based on that, you know. So when we had our our weather event, which was the first week in January, we came back the night before, the weekend before. We're watching the weather. We're on with the Dent County Emergency Management uh, folks for our county. We're on with the National Weather Service. We actually stay up a good chunk of the night and attend those meeting calls. And then about four three in the morning, I start driving roads, see if we can get our school buses out, things like that. What dangers we have in updating our community and updating our uh, central district administration team of weather operations and things like that. So we actually set up a, a regular EOC. We start standing it up and we start monitoring the weather and making sure those conditions are just right in a safe environment for our kids. Same thing happens with our weather. We would have a tornado or a severe thunderstorm. We're evacuating kids from playgrounds, things like that. And, you know, we're ready to go for any type of emergency you can have. You name it, we're prepared for it. Now, do you partner with the community to use your schools for uh, for sheltering and, and care reception centers as well? Or At this no? time, we do not, just because of space. We just got our big, uh, our first brand new elementary school had a uh, built-in tornado shelter. And so working through that is pretty neat. And uh, working through all the logistical issues of that, how that storm shelter was built, it was pretty amazing to watch and uh, piece that together. So we have a small EOC built in that uh, storm shelter for our kids, but right now we're not prepared for that. So we are um, working with our partners down the road, but you never know what's going to happen. It's Texas weather. It could be sunshine in today and next tomorrow in five minutes, it's going to be snowing. <laughs> Snow. Yeah. I, I remember, oh man, I, was, I don't know how many years ago it was. It was, it was, uh, I, man, I must've been in the eighties, but we were watching the, uh, the typical, Dallas football game. I don't even know who they're playing for. Uh, um, it was for the uh, what do you call it? The Thanksgiving uh, Day 
right? And it snowed. I remember and that was like back in the old stadium when they had like the little small it was all snowing through that little hole in the ground. Yeah, so it does snow in Dallas, you know. Yeah. But uh very, very rare. Well, you know, I mean, like, obviously, Dallas is one of those cities um, that's internationally known. I mean, people come from all over the place. Uh, they, you know, you have uh, it's a it's a transportation hub. Um, you know, you have all the different sports uh, that are happening there. Um, I mean, how how does that typical Dallas, you know, traffic and whatnot impact what you guys can do um, at the schools? You know, right now, the biggest thing we're experiencing in the Aubrey area is the amount of growth. You know, we're a, a we're not a we're just a little suburb off these big metroplexes, but we're seeing so many houses coming up, so many people move to the great state of Texas that it's great. So we're right now we're working on watching our infrastructure, we're watching how many new homes are coming up, what new businesses are coming up, and how they affect the plans that we have. Uh, we have a central rail line that runs to the back of our school on two different campuses. So we're always preparing with the rail lines of what they're bringing, you know, things of that nature, watching traffic. Um, you know, you just never know what you're going to have. You have chemicals being brought through with hazmat, things of that nature, because we're, we have so much construction and other things in our district. So um, preparing and planning is so key in, in the school system that if you don't, when an emergency happens, you're going to be struggling and trying to grasp straws of what you need to do. So if you could help out all the other uh, K through 12 and even the emergency managers out there that are, that are trying to figure out how to work with their K through 12 uh, partners, what would you say the first step should be? You know, there's, there's two things that I learned the hard way. And, and I love what I do as a police officer, as a police chief, as emergency manager, I'm also cross-trained in fire and EMS. So I had the background for emergency management, meaning the incident command system and, and general knowledge of what fire, EMS, and police can do. But the biggest thing is get the education. You know, right now I'm working on, on my national uh, IAEM CEM certification along with my Texas cert. But going through the NIMS ICS classes, going through FEMA and their ICS classes, open your mind and expand. And if you don't know, ask your counterparts. We have some great partners here in Denton County that have taught me so much and mentored me so much about EM. But the other thing is, is find a software program that works for you. We have an ICS software program that helps us with our mainstream for event planning, radio traffic, things of that nature. And we have a secondary program that helps us with threat assessment and where everything is in our schools and, and different things. Have all your pre-plans made. Work with your county partners. Work with your city officials. Take in the police officers that – maybe work in that beat of the school, show them what's going on, show them the insides and outsides of that school. You got to have the partnership because if not shaking hands at the scene and trying to develop that trust is not going to work well in an emergency. And that's one thing I can tell everybody is being a school district, we specialize in a lot of things and we take a lot of pressure off the cities because we're so specialized, but having that partnership and that relationship built is huge in a crisis. Chief, what's your biggest challenge? My biggest challenge is always not having enough funds and not having enough manpower. You know, it's it's there's so many things to do in a smaller district. Um, the funds are limited, so we stretch. So not only do I function as a police chief, but I also function as the emergency manager. And it's making sure that we always have time to make sure the safety and security of our schools is the top priority. Making sure that we connect with our kids, connect with our parents. Uh, find out what the pulse of the community is doing and making sure that we talk with our admin. Hey, we're seeing this trend. 
we need to work on this or, hey, we need to pay attention to that. It's all different things that we can do to help our community. Have you had much pushback at all from the teachers and or administration when it comes to your planning and drills and stuff like that? No, this year we had to, we modified some things thanks to the Texas legislators, but drilling is one of the important things. And one of the things that I do is we, we sit down, we have a round table with the teachers at every campus. What are your concerns? What are you seeing? What, what questions can I answer for you before the school season starts? That way it helps them go through any problems they may have or issues they may have. Uh, we have some great communication and dialogue there for our teachers. And I have an open door policy. Anybody can come see me. Anybody can call me. Anybody can email me. My phone number is not secret in the district. And we're here for them. So it's building those relationships and making the teachers feel comfortable and solving the problems that were there. Interacting with them during the drills is an amazing process. It, it solves a lot. Now, have teachers um, ever had concerns? I don't want to say it in, in a negative way. Trying to figure out how to how to formulate this question, that that are you know something that you go ah, you know I mean without putting you don't have to worry about that. Okay? But but you still want to make sure that you're hearing their concerns and, and addressing them. But they're uh, you know well, what happens if the asteroid falls out of the sky? Type question. You know, any teacher is going to think about the worst case scenario, and the most that we hear about is our loving, caring educators on the elementary level because. God bless them all. They they do an amazing job with those kids, but they treat them just like their own kids. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I love about our educators across the great state of Texas and across the United States. They care for our kids. So when you send the way I look at it is when you send your child to school, they're my responsibility for their safety and security. And I want to make sure that I provide them the best and safest environment. So we work through a lot of those what if scenarios, this and that. You know, a middle school kid, I can get out of a building easier. If we have a threat at one end, I can get them out of the back door of a school a little bit easier than an elementary kid. An elementary kid, you know, a lot of times we're going to keep them locked down just because they're young kids. It's it's harder to get them out, you know, and, and expose them to the danger. So it, it's working through the process, making sure teachers and staff always feel safe and secure, and making sure that we can provide the best and safest environment for what they need. How about your high school students? High school kids, you know, it's an educational process. It's the opportunity to go talk to them. Sorry about that. That was perfect timing. (laughs) I apologize. But, um, you know, we talk about high school kids. They get concerned too, but they're a little bit different, you know, because some of them, if we were to go into lockdown, they may run or go here. We'd have to find a different reunification process for them. But on the other hand, they really are, are responsible where you can, if you have a threat at one end of the building, you can move these kids to the offsite evacuation areas and do different things with them because they're a little bit older. They'll listen to you and things like that. The downfall we have with high school kids is uh, the use of phone, social media. So we could be doing a drill and what is everybody knows is a drill. Their broadcasting is a live event and it can cause some, um, some some issues on the social media side. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Man, well, Chief, thank you so much for your time today. I mean, you know, it's just to, to learn more about K-12 emergency management and public safety is is always great. It's I don't want to say it's a mystery, but it's definitely something that we don't really uh, put on the it's forefront. Feel, Todd, in, in emergency management in schools in Texas is on the rise. 
And if the legislators keep pushing what they're doing, and I think this is going to happen soon, each district will be required to have a certified specialized person just to do nothing but emergency management. And it's a great field. I Like I said, I never thought I'd have this opportunity to be in the emergency management until I retired. But I'm so glad that I'm learning every day something new and the training that I'm getting from my mentors and, and things like that. So um, I'd like to say thank you to you and your, your show and your mentors that are on the show. And it's an honor to be asked to come on to your show today and, and to speak with our colleagues from across the United States. Awesome. Chief. Hey, if uh, people want to reach out to you, um, well, how can they find you? You can find me on LinkedIn as uh, Chief Scott Collins or my uh, Twitter profile at Chief Scott, C-O-L-L-1, um, or at uh, Aubrey ISD. And uh, I'll be here to take care of anybody that needs it. If you guys are educators or merchant management and school districts that need anything, uh, my personal email is ChiefCollins390 at gmail.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. Awesome. And those stuff that all the information will also be down in the show notes. And Chief, again, thank you so much for your time today. And let's do this again sometime. Let's do this again, Todd. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to uh, to us today here uh, at Ian Weekly. And without you, you know, the show would just be a bunch of people just talking. And I do appreciate all the comments and everything that people put in uh, into the comments section. And, and also... That being said, please follow us on your favorite podcast player on Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, uh, you know, all, all the social media. Dan, Scott, we missed you today. Uh, I know you're out there, but I know you're super busy. So I uh, will see Dan again sometime soon. And hey, Callie McKinney, you better buy that Buffalo Bills cap. Until then, stay safe, stay hydrated.